that's some good singing to get things kicked off with. What a great song to begin our Christmas service with. And we're looking forward to what God has in store for us today. Our choir is anxious and looking forward to sharing in song. And, of course, I'm excited and looking forward to hearing them. And it won't be just a few more moments and we'll get right to that. But we want to welcome you to Community Baptist Temple. We want to let you know that we're glad you've chosen to worship with us today. Again, Christmas will be Tuesday. And we understand and have no doubt that the reason for the season is truly Jesus Christ. And we're glad you're here to celebrate with us that wonderful truth. Well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll move along in our service this morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to gather today. We look forward to the choir. We look forward to the music and the message in the music. We're excited about what you have for us in word as well. We ask that you would meet our needs today. Lord, so many here are Father, just uh, thankful to be alive and to be able to be in this house, that they may worship, praise, and exalt you. And we love you. We thank you. And Lord, we are going to give to you the glory and the honor for all things. You're so worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And uh, we're going to change schedule up a little bit, so if you're used to being here sitting and standing at certain times, it might be a little different today. But uh, we want to just take a moment this morning, and as Pastor said, welcome you. And uh, we're excited about what the Lord has in store for us today. And if you're a visitor with us today, uh, we just wanted to mention a couple things. We're, first of all, certainly honored that you chose to be in our services today. And uh, if you haven't already, we would uh, ask that you'd stop out at our Welcome Center. We do have a small packet of information, a little gift for you out there, and we'd love to get that into your hands. So if you didn't pick that up already this morning, if you could do that on your way out, we would appreciate it. We have a lot going on at our church. And if you have a bulletin, you picked one up on your way in today, you'll see that there's always things um, on our schedule. And, and that's good. It's good to have a busy, growing church. We're excited about that. Uh, but one of the most important elements of a church is that when you meet there, you meet with the Holy Spirit of God. And we're excited that the Lord shows up uh, very often <laughs> in our services. And uh, we want to invite you to come back and be a part of uh, another service. I know this is Christmas, and a lot of times during the Christmas season, we'll take time to go to church. And that's wonderful. We're glad to see you here. But we want to invite you to come out another time, uh, maybe another Sunday morning. We also have Sunday evening services at 6 o'clock and midweek services on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. And you're certainly invited to any one of those. We have nurseries. We have children's programs and different classes, Bible classes for all ages. And so we want to invite you to come back sometime and join us for another service here at Community Baptist Temple. Let's stand together once again. 421. 421. The first Noel. 421. Let's sing it out on that first verse together.
let's sing that first verse one more time as our last. this time, it is our honor, it is our privilege that we, the Community Baptist Temple Church Choir, present to you the greatest gift.
Well, it was back in 2010 that um, I received a gift, and uh, I've received a number of gifts through my days and through the years of my life. But I received this uh, Bible that I hold in my hand in 2010 from the ladies' class here at the church, and uh, they got that to me. They presented it to me there in their classroom, and uh, for a number of years, I've used it. I've used it uh, uh, not only to read and to even study from at times, but I've used it to preach from a number of occasions. I've used it for funerals, uh, weddings, uh, all, kind of, uh, all kind of different occasions I've used this. <clears throat> and uh, through the years, however, uh, this particular gift, although it's one of my favorite gifts, I love getting Bibles, you can't beat that, but uh, through the years, it's kind of gotten a little worn and tattered. It's kind of pulling up on the sides and it's starting to fall apart. And so the, the binding's coming away from it slightly. The pages are worn and torn even in some places. And uh, that's just normal wear and tear. And it's a gift. It's a wonderful gift. But it's a gift that unfortunately isn't going to last forever. It's a gift that's, well, it's ultimately going to go by the wayside. I'm going to have to turn it in, so to speak. The Graveyard of Bibles. How many of you, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just can't hardly throw a Bible away. You know what I mean? I just can't find, I can't find it in myself to do so. So I've got this stack of Bibles kind of hidden away here and there, and I just hate to get rid of them, and I try to find somebody to give them to, whether it's a bus kit or somebody just needs you to say, why don't you give them the best you got? Well, I think this one's better than any Bible you're going to get for a buck fifty at the, you know, thrift store. It's falling apart, sure, but boy, I tell you what, if my preacher had gave me a Bible... Back when I was just a 10-year-old or 9-year-old and said, hey, you want this Bible? I'm going to go move on to another one because I'm starting to get it tore up too much. You want it? I mean, I'd have cherished that thing. But listen, you know, this Bible's going to go away. This Bible's not going to last forever. The Word of God will last forever, but this particular version, this Bible, so to speak, it's not going to be around forever. But boy, they've been singing about the greatest gift. They've been singing about the greatest gift. And it's a great gift, but it's not the greatest gift. Well, the greatest gift is not a gift that's going to fade. It's not going to ultimately fall apart. It's not going to tear apart. It's going to be there forever. And I got thinking, and, and, and they made it very clear in this, the song. I thought the choir did a superb job, a fabulous job. I mean, a wonderful job. And they talked about the greatest gift, and that greatest gift is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Boy, Jesus is the greatest gift. I don't think you could leave this auditorium today without saying, who's the greatest gift? What's the greatest gift? You'd say, Jesus. How could you not after it getting run, just rammed down our throats, so to speak? That's not probably the term I need to use, because, but, but, man, I mean to tell you, they just kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. Boy, that's a wonderful thing, though. Jesus is the greatest gift. You know, too often, though, it seems to me in our culture and our society that we get the impression that you can have salvation without him, though. And you know what? That's not true. Now, we live in what's called a, a Judeo-Christian society, and you all know we're, we're, we're quickly departing from that, and we're starting to see atheism and other types of religions start to rise up out of the ashes, so to speak. But may I tell you something? In, 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 a, in a grand sense, we are still a Christian nation. There's still this element of we believe that Jesus Christ came we believe that he died on a cross and rose again. As a whole, Americans understand this to be the case. But let me tell you something. You can't have his salvation without him. And it seems today that if we're not careful, we kind of buy into this idea that we can have all the benefit without the person, Jesus. Turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. 
What a great job. Again, I'm so thrilled with the job the choir did, and I'm so happy that you made your way here today. But we're going to take just a couple of minutes now, and I want to share with you from the Word of God the message that they shared in song. In 1 John chapter 5, I want you to look at verses 11 through 13. There is no get-out-of-hell-free card. You know, and sometimes, you know, we've played Monopoly our whole lives, most of us. Of course, I was very good at it. Me and my dad and my brothers, and we'd get, get together, we'd play Monopoly, and I mean to tell you, we'd go at it. It was cutthroat. I mean, it was so bad, sometimes my mom would beg us to stop. You wouldn't have believed all the crying, all the whining. My dad was the worst. And I mean, we'd go at it. I mean, it was crazy. No, you just landed on a hotel. No, you couldn't. I didn't land on your hotel. No, that wasn't, that wasn't 11. That was only 10. I mean, it was crazy. And I honestly thought I somehow equated this winning at Monopoly with being successful in life. If I was only a winner on the board, I'd be a winner in life. But there was always that get out of jail free card. Remember that? Get out of jail free. I'm, I'm afraid sometimes that in America we've come to the place where we've, we've kind of, we've brought Christianity down to the place where it's just simply a get out of hell free card. And in 1 John chapter 5, this passage dispels that. It, it says, no, that's not the case at all. You don't just get the goods. You've got to get the person. Notice what it says in 1 John 5, 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I think the passage is pretty clear. No Savior, no salvation. No Savior, no salvation. You cannot have salvation apart from Christ himself. When the choir's up here singing, and so uh, majestically so, and so wonderfully so, saying that Jesus is the greatest gift, the greatest gift on earth is Jesus. They're not lying. That's the truth. And sometimes we would say, and I, and I warred with this as I started thinking about the message, and I thought, well, the greatest gift is salvation. The greatest gift is to escape a place called hell. The greatest gift is to have our sin washed away, to be forgiven of our sin, and to have the opportunity and the privilege of living an eternal life with Christ in heaven. That's the greatest gift, salvation itself. But hold on, there is no salvation without the Savior. He's really the greatest gift. Because with Him comes salvation. If you believe that you have salvation, but you do not have the Savior, then my friend, you are deceived and lying to yourself. You are no more on your way to heaven than you have a million dollars in your pocket this morning. It is so indicative of mankind today to want something and not take it all, so to speak. For instance, isn't it amazing how men despise women who only love them for their money? Isn't it 
something to think about how women despise a man who only loves her for her beauty. And we'll look at that guy or gal and we'll say, you know, I despise that. You ought to love me, not just what I can give you. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, many times people who profess him as Lord and Savior really never did want him. They only wanted what he could give them. And may I say, if you came to Jesus Christ with a condition, if you said to him, I want salvation and I want forgiveness and I want an eternal home in heaven, I just don't want you. And my friend, you are as lost as lost could be. You're no more saved than the man on the moon, so to speak. You have deceived yourself again. It is a very selfish and self-centered approach to salvation to think somehow that we can have salvation without the Savior. That we can have all the benefit and all the good that He provides us without wanting Him in our life. It all began back in a garden. Garden of Eden. You know how God placed Adam there in the midst of that garden, or in the, in the garden itself, and there ultimately he brought to him a, a wonderful woman out of the side of Adam. And boy, I'll tell you what, the two of them were there, and Adam and Eve uh, were enjoying the garden, a perfect, a wonderful environment that God had provided and made for them. There they, he named all the animals, and boy, life was good in that garden. But that serpent, he wasn't content, of course, with mankind enjoying the God that created them. And, and he wasn't content with them enjoying the creation that God had given them. No, he wanted to wreck and he wanted to ruin everything that God had made and created. And so he comes and he tempts Eve. And God had told them already that you can have of every tree that's in the midst of the garden, that's in the garden, except for the tree in the midst, I should say. Every other tree available, every other tree at your disposal, eat of it, enjoy it. But that one that stands in the midst, that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's not yours to have. That's forbidden fruit. And of course, the devil lied to them, and the devil somehow convinced them that God was withholding the very best that he had made, that he didn't want them to enjoy his very best. He only wanted them to have what little he wanted. Oh, I mean, he let them have everything else in the garden. But because he neglected or because he did not allow them to have that one thing in the midst, the devil was able to get a foothold in her life and ultimately in his life by somehow convincing them that God was not as good as he claimed to be that he didn't really care about them as much as he said he did, and that the very best that God had was reserved for him alone and not them. And the devil convinced them that they need not be subservient to a God who, is not, has the, who does not have their best interest at heart. They need not yield to a God like that. No, they themselves can be gods. And so they rebelled against the God of heaven, the creator of the universe. They ate of the forbidden fruit. And the Bible teaches us that from that point on, mankind has been born into sin. We only need look at children today and we ask ourselves, do we need to teach them to do wrong or right? Guess what you have to teach a child to do? Right. Because wrong comes so naturally. Think about Adam and Eve's first children, Cain and Abel. Do you know how that ended, right? Cain murdered his own brother, Abel. I mean, we're not that far removed from the garden at this point, and yet human nature, sin nature has now become prevalent. It is 
reigning in the lives of mankind. It is ruling in the hearts of people. And may I say that has not diminished through the years. If anything, it has only continued to grow. It seems that men, women, boys and girls today are as much sinners, if not more, than ever before. And we can go ahead and convince ourselves and try to tell ourselves that we're all good inside and that we're really this and really that. But may I, friend, may I say this today? You need only look in a mirror and you know the truth. You only need to dig open, just open a little bit, peel back one layer to the heart and realize that your heart, my heart, and everybody's heart is equally dark with sin. And we can read the newspapers and we can see the blogs and we can watch the television and we recognize and see that the world is spiraling downward, not going upward. And although we'd like to believe that somehow we are evolving into something better, it seems to me, if we're honest with ourselves, we're only getting worse. Sin left its stain and the damage was done. It is this sin that we must be delivered from. And deliverance is only found in a person. And that person is Jesus. John chapter 14 verse 6 says, and of course Jesus is speaking. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. Sometimes we kind of separate Christ from his salvation. We look at salvation independent of him. For instance, for the sake of illustration, I'm Christ and this is the salvation that I offer. We look at the salvation and we want that without him. Boy, how easy it would be to just simply, I I want your salvation. I want your forgiveness. I want the stain in my heart to be removed. I want to have life eternal with you, Lord. And we use verse for, in in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we equate the name of the Lord with a plan and not a person. Oh, if I just follow the plan, I'm saved. If I just call on Jesus, if I just ask him into my heart, then that's good. That's enough. I followed the plan. I'm saved. Never once truly wanting the person, though. If you hope to find your way in life, you'll only find it in Jesus, by the way. If you are seeking truth, well, truth is Christ. So without him, you cannot find true truth. If you desire life, both today and forever, then Christ alone is your life. He is the life. It is Christ that you need. Not just what he offers, but him. One may contend, well, he'll demand too much of my time, too much of my attention, too much of my devotion. I'm a busy person. I'm pursuing a career, my dreams, my goals. Maybe you're chasing the world and its pleasures and you don't want Christ to come upset your plans, to get in your way. And so, uh, yes, I want saved. Yes, I want rescued from hell. I don't want to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called the lake of fire. But I don't want Jesus in my life yet because I have my own plans and I want to do things my way. 
The greatest gift is Jesus, though. See, we've equated the gift to a plan and not a person. And too often, if we're not careful, we think because we said a simple prayer, we think because we implemented this particular plan, we followed it word for word in the Bible, we called on Jesus, we just didn't want him in our life. We wanted only what he could give us. We somehow have convinced ourselves that we're truly forgiven and saved by the blood of Christ then. 2 Corinthians, before we make a decision, before we choose to follow our own pursuit, before we decide to neglect Christ because it means a potential change of lifestyle. And may I say that you're not going to necessarily, you don't have the strength to change in yourself. You can't turn around. You can't turn over a new leaf at this point in your life. You need Christ to do that in your life. But my friend, let me tell you something. Salvation is a person, not a plan. And that person did some great things for you. And as we prepare to close, I want to share just a couple of them. Number one, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, would you? I want you to think about the person that, that literally is the greatest gift. And he is the greatest gift. I was blessed to at the age of 25, to marry a, a woman that I love with all my heart, and I have loved her for over 30 years now. And I'm 45. We got married when I was 12. <laughs> Not really. But nonetheless, the fact is that I've loved her for years. And may I say this? There are, I cannot tell you how many wonderful things my wife has done for me through the years, how she has met my needs, how she continues to bless me. But may I say to you today, it's not what she just does for me. It is her that I was blessed with over 30 years ago when I said I do. She was the gift. What she provides me is just icing on the cake. But if we're not careful, we can miss who it is we need for the what we want. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word grace being unmerited favor, getting what we don't deserve. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. Oh, man. 2,000 years ago, the creator of all the universe, the God of heaven, the Bible's called him Emmanuel. God with us came to earth. He lived a sinless, perfect life. You shall call his name Jesus. And he lived that life for you, and he lived it for me. Until they finally said in their hearts, we're going to crucify him, we're going to do away with him. And there he hung on Calvary. Nails in his hands and his feet. Ultimately a spear in his side. There he died between heaven and earth. Shedding his precious perfect blood. To wash your sin and mine away. He was rich. He became poor. He walked the dusty trails of Galilee for you and I. The Bible says he had nowhere to even lay his head. But he did that for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you, and that's how much he cares for me. 
He became poor so that we could become rich. He left the splendor of heaven for you. We can't hardly understand that kind of selflessness today. We can't even wrap our minds around it. To be so unselfish, to be so sacrificial. Today, let's be honest, really, it's about us. For the most part, and I know there are those that are extremely giving, but they're giving if it's convenient many times. When it suits their fancy, when it appeals to their flesh, when it makes them feel good. My friend, I don't know about you, but there was nothing that felt good hanging on an old rugged cross. Yet Jesus still became poor so that you and I could become rich. Not rich financially, materialistically, but rich spiritually. Not only that, but in John chapter 10, verse 17 through 18, let me just read it. It says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Jesus Christ literally laid down his life. Oh, I know the Jews cried, Crucify him! I realized that Pilate condemned him that day. I know that the Roman soldiers nailed him to a cross. But may I say, no one really took his life. He says he laid it down. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have removed himself off that cross. He could have evaporated and, 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 and totally and completely destroyed everyone and everything around him at that point and said, I will not die for anyone. But he did die because he was willing to become poor so you could become rich. He was willing to die so that you could live. But remember, Jesus is the greatest gift. This morning, Jesus wants to invite. He wants to be invited into your heart, your life. He, he doesn't want to just give you the goods. He wants you to have God himself. Christ living in you. He's not just saying, here's a plan, follow it. He's saying, no, here's a person, receive him. Amen. Jesus is the greatest gift. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, turn there, would you please? As we prepare to close, notice what he says. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. The passage is said in a portion of Scripture that is reflective or, or actually prophetic. What we're going to find if you would study out chapter 3 of Revelation is that it's addressing the church in general. The professing church in the last days. Those that say, we believe there's a Christ. We believe in Jesus. And he says, ultimately, prophetically, he's saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The, 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 the real emphasis is that there's a church. And he's standing outside the church knocking, saying, let me in. Open the doors and let me in. You're having church without me. You're having worship without me. You're singing praise without me. That's the context of the passage. 
But there's an application to the passage. And we look that there in desperation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice. Boy, the church may have its doors closed. The multitude and majority may not want anything to do with him. They simply want to worship. They simply want to praise. They simply want to go through the motions. And they're, they're very content to do so because they're following a plan. But he says, boy, you need more than a plan. You need me, the person. If you personally will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and sup with you and you with me. See, what he really wants is a relationship with you. There's no doubt that he wants to save your soul because you and I, all of us in this world are sinners, no doubt. Every last one of us are sinners. And without Jesus Christ, we will never escape the penalty of our sin. He alone paid the penalty by shedding his precious, perfect blood on Calvary, by dying and being broken there on that cross, being buried and then raising again the third day. He paid the price. But he doesn't want us to fall prey to this simple misinformation that somehow that the plan is enough. That you can escape hell by simply saying these words, by simply quoting this particular phrase, by, by simply getting on your knees and asking for something, not someone. See, Jesus is the greatest gift. And he offers himself to you today. And he says, do you want me in your life? Do you want me in your life? Not do you simply want to escape hell. Not do you simply want to appear to be religious or righteous. Not do you simply want a get out of free hell card. Because see, the greatest gift is not just salvation. Because you can't have salvation without the Savior. The greatest gift is Jesus. And it is only He and He alone that can save your soul and forgive your sin. It won't be a church. It won't be a pastor. It won't be a priest or a rabbi. It won't be some religious rite that you perform. It's got to be a person. Jesus is the greatest gift. Without Jesus, there is no church. Without Jesus, there is no salvation. He is the greatest gift. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the great I Am. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000 of my soul. He's altogether lovely. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, the only begotten of the Father and the resurrection and the life. He is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the captain of the Lord's host. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the chief cornerstone, the good shepherd, the root of David, the Lord of glory. He's the word of God, wisdom of God, the rose of Sharon, and the hope of glory. Jesus Christ is the creator, the master, the mediator, the Messiah. He's the rock, the vine, the door, the redeemer. He's the bread of life. 
the living water, the light of the world, the son of righteousness. He is the faithful witness, the righteous judge, a sure foundation, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jesus Christ, the living word, God himself, and all in all. May I say today that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. The greatest gift is Jesus. I wonder today, has there been a time in your life when you heard the knock at your heart's door and you said, I don't just want an escape route. I want a Savior. I want Jesus in my life. I want Him. And in receiving Him, you get all of His benefit, all of His blessing. Maybe you've never experienced that in your life. Maybe you've never come to that realization. Who knows, maybe you've been playing a game for years. Maybe you've just simply rattled off a prayer at some point and it's never once made any difference in your life. Could it be that simply you said a prayer instead of receiving a person? When you receive him, he moves into your heart and your life. When someone as big as Jesus moves in, something's going to happen. The greatest gift is Jesus. Have you received him today? Have you trusted him as your Savior, your Lord? This morning, you will have an opportunity to do that before you leave. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. The greatest gift. It's not simply a plan, it's a person that we need. It's not just salvation, it's the Savior himself that we need. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has He knocked on your heart door at some point? And have you let Him in? Are you confident that heaven's your home? That you're forgiven of your sin because the Savior lives within just a moment the music will play and we're going to give you an opportunity to move and to come to the front there's gentlemen on each corner of the steps here which we call an altar at this time of the service if you haven't settled for sure where you spend eternity if you don't know for sure whether it was simply a plan or a person let me tell you you can trust and receive him today and settle your soul's salvation and know that not only do you have eternal life but you also have the eternal one living in you Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd bless us today, meet our needs. Lord, in this crowd today, there are so many that are represented, so many souls, and every soul will spend an eternity in heaven or hell. But Lord, you sent Jesus Christ, oh, he, Emmanuel, God with us. And we thank you so much. The greatest gift, Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. And ask, Lord, that if there be any that are without him, that have not trusted and received him, that not invite him into their life, they would settle that today before it's eternally too late. Lord, we love you now. We need you. Do your perfect work in our hearts and our lives. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Every head bowed, still every eye closed. The music begins. Won't you come? You're a child of God today, and maybe you've kind of neglected Jesus, that greatest gift. You've enjoyed the blessings, but you've failed to 
show him the kind of devotion, love, admiration that you ought. Maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I haven't been like I ought to be toward you. Maybe today you're here and you've never invited Christ into your life. You've never gave yourself to the Lord, said, Lord Jesus, I need you. You're the greatest gift and I want you in my life. I want that gift, you. You're going to leave here. You're going to leave either on your way to heaven or hell. You're going to leave here either saved or lost. They're synonymous. You're, you're going to leave with Christ living in you or him still knocking. Won't you let him in? Won't you receive Christ today? Won't you settle your soul's salvation? Maybe you've been playing a game. You said a prayer, but you know in your heart it's not Christ living in there. That Bible doesn't mean anything to you hardly. You'll read it and you never get nothing out of it. You've grown so weary of it, so tired of it, you almost find yourself. If you do it, you do it just simply out of duty. You don't have any, I'm not saying that we can't get cold as believers, but I'm telling you that if there's never been something in your life, no heart toward the Lord, no desire toward Him in any way, shape, or form, my friend, there's a good chance, there's a good possibility you are going through the motion. It's not a plan. It is a person you need, Jesus Christ. Won't you come? Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We do not know that we have tomorrow. The only thing we have is today. What a shame would it be to miss heaven because we failed to receive him when had we had opportunity. What a terrible thing to have had every chance but to have neglected the opportunity. Won't you come? This is a one more opportunity. We're going to close in just a few moments.
Ushers, if you'd come on up at this time. We're going to go ahead and, again, we appreciate you being here today. Ushers, won't you come? We're going to go ahead and have a, um, take an, our offering up. We've kind of changed our service arrangement a little bit. We didn't want to distract from our cantata and our program, but we do uh, want to settle our, our uh, offering today. So, gentlemen, once you get situated, if you can make your way forward, we'll have a word of prayer. We'll take up our offering, then we'll dismiss. Again, we have services tonight at 6 as well. We have them on Wednesday night at 7. Uh, just uh, like uh, Brother Cavanaugh had mentioned earlier, we'd certainly love to invite you back. You're welcome to come all the time. We'd love to have you here at any time. Okay, fellas, if you would. All right, let's go ahead. We'll have a word of prayer for the offering, and then we'll go ahead and get things moving along here. All right. Tell you what. Um, let me go ahead and get... Uh, Brother Dave, why don't you come pray for us, would you? That'd be great. Father, dear God in heaven, Father, we're just so thankful, dear Lord, that we can be in your presence this morning, Father. We're just so thankful for the word of God, Father, that touches our hearts, Father. We just pray that you would apply these truths, Father, to our hearts, that we might be able to tell others about the greatest gift, Father, the gift of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, that we might have eternal life. Father, we just ask you now to bless this part of the service, Father. We just pray that you would bless each uh, and every giver, Father, we just pray that you would be honored and glorified with our offering. We love you now. We just ask that you'd bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's all stand together. Again, we're so thankful, so thrilled you chose to be a part of our services today. Look forward to seeing you back tonight at 6 o'clock. Let's pray. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father, we come to you, Lord. We're so thankful for that gift. God, we're thankful for what you did for us in sending your only begotten son to down a cross to save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that we take what we heard in song and in message this morning, apply it to our lives. Lord, I do pray if there is someone here today that is yet to accept you into their life as Lord and Savior, I pray today be the day they do realize their need for you. Lord, keep us safe as we travel home and bring us safely back tonight. We'll thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.